Mark, I'll give you a cue here. MMM Agency 100 Studio Sessions. Relevate Health. Okay, we're rolling. Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited for you to plug into this episode of A100 Studio Sessions, a new podcast series which gives members of the MMM Agency 100 list an opportunity to riff on what sets them apart. In this episode, we're focusing on the agency Relevate Health. Relevate Health. We're talking about the concept of breaking through the clutter with relevance in pharma marketing. I'm joined by my special guests, Tim Pantello, CEO of Relevate Health, and Julie Granberry, who's Chief Insights and Strategy Officer at Relevate Health. Welcome uh, to you both. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Good to Mark. See you again. Absolutely. Pleasure's mine. This is uh, going to follow a fantastic talk we had a couple of weeks ago at MMM Trend Talks. We talked about the challenges of uh, personalization and omnichannel in pharma marketing. I think there's a kind of a consensus amongst patients and doctors that, you know, pharma is kind of doing a less than stellar job at delivering, you know, on the omnichannel and personalization kind of mandates. There's an awareness, though, amongst marketers that, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, it accelerated their digital transformation. Yeah. But sure. true one-to-one, you know, engagement is really still kind of elusive and maybe not even realistic considering we're talking about pharma here, not CPG. We're not selling sneakers. We're not selling automobiles. So that's one of the questions we'll talk about. Uh, but Julie, just to kind of start us off here, uh, talk about kind of your takeaways, kind of sum up the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Mark. So it was an awesome experience. You know, we had a lot of different industry experts across small to mid-sized pharma, big pharma, and what was neat. And even in medical affairs, uh, commercial. Um, And what was really cool about it was the fact that a lot of the themes remained the same. Um, There's still um, this buzzword of omnichannel. um, And I do think that it's buzzworthy because of the fact that there's so many different stages in which these companies are still trying to achieve this quintessential one to one you were just talking about. Um, and they're struggling for a variety of different reasons, from data interoperability uh, to the fact that um, they've got infrastructure challenges as well and really need to hopefully rely on some of their partners to be able to accomplish um, what's the end goal of having an amazing experience for their patients and also the clinicians that they're serving. Right. Tim, how do we get here? Well, you know, if you, if you think back... Uh you know, it was first, you know, moving from analog to really digitizing all of the, the content, right? So think, you know, 1998, maybe through 2010. And then we sort of moved into content and context with our, our, our media being placed in, you know, in the content and the creative being placed in the context of where they were in their, you know, in trying to achieve a health information seeking task, uh, HCPs and, and patients. And then we kind of pivoted what I would say into into this multi-channel place where clients were using maybe one to three channels as kind of a point solution. And now we're pivoting to what you had talked about earlier, which is the desire to really have personalization through through precision um, and really tailoring the content and making it really relevant. And, yeah. you know, that's where we help our clients and um, really delivering kind of a national uh, what would be like a national message or content, but really tailored at a, in a personalized way with really locally relevant content to where they practice and, and where they treat. And that's 
where we see personalization really delivering the type of engagement that that clients want. And so that is a bit of the evolution that we've seen and experienced mm-hmm. in the industry. And then, you know, what we're doing to address it very uniquely uh, on behalf of our clients and delivering that engagement. Sure. Just to delve further into that, Julie, do you want to kind of define uh, omni-channel? I know there's, there's a lot of uh, kind of variability depending on who you talk to, but I'd love to hear your, your definition. Yeah. Of that so term. we really take it to the heart of the customer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a customer-centric, mm-hmm. unified brand experience across all channels. I think, again, this phrase of omni-channel can be really daunting of what's the technology I'm going to use, all the different data sets that I need. But if we take it back to the customer, whether that be the HCP or the patient, and really figure out how can I best surround him or her with a seamless orchestrated experience that's going to be relevant for them, it makes it a little bit less daunting and mm-hmm. makes it a more of a stepwise approach of how we can achieve that mission. Sure. And how close can you really get, you know, given, um, you know, one-to-one might not be completely um you know, achievable given there's a lot of intermediaries in healthcare. I don't know. I think, you know, I I do think we can get to -to one-to-one. You know, maybe we're not there this very moment. Um, And again, that can seem extremely almost impossible, but really finding ways, as Tim was talking about earlier, earlier, excuse me, to be able to do local at scale. Um, There's ways for us to leverage segmentation and get a little bit narrower, right? Mm -hmm. There's ways then for us to leverage the fact that how how did he or she just interact and then start getting closer and closer to that one-to-one. And also leveraging personalization from not just high Dr. Blank, but really understanding what are all the different factors that influences his or her behavior through um, treatment uh, behaviors through who they went to med school with, through what congresses they're speaking at, through Mm -hmm. what channels they have affinities to, and really being able to tailor those approaches. You can get scalable that way. Sure. So, and obviously you're going to do that by making information relevant to them, um, hence the, you know, the relevancy mandate. Um, Talk about, if you would, what doctors want, perhaps what they don't want. Yeah. So doctors want relevance. So uh-huh. thanks for the tea up there, Mark. But they want relevance. They don't want it to feel as if they're building a relationship with your brand or your corporation. So how do we figure that out? And we leverage data. Um, and that can be really challenging from an interoperability standpoint. And Tim's going to talk a little bit about the power of our data spine, mm-hmm. but really being able to understand um, what they've clicked on, what they've found um, meaningful for them, and being able to build on that. Uh, a lot of it is the power of local, which is how mm-hmm. Relevate got its start. Um, before we got to one-to-one, it was us literally leveraging data to understand what's the access environment from a physical access to a market access standpoint. Um, what are the treatment algorithms, right? There's a lot of different standards of care that we could leverage. Um, understanding the demographics, right? I live in Atlanta um, and Tim here is in Jersey. What are the differences and the demographics of the patients, whether it be their access to the product, whether it be the prevalence of the disease state that the clinician is treating? So really being able to take all of that. And now we've got the power of social and online and digital influence. So being able to put that in an integrated way to understand what's driving uh, the clinician's preferences is really, really important. Yeah, sure, I would, sure. You know, to build on what you were saying, I would, I would also say that the health systems, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. depending on where you live, the um, integrated delivery network formation as well as, you know, you know risk-bearing IDNs. And so the mm-hmm. system, you know, wh- where you live, you know, your zip code is almost as important as your genetic code, right? So when we think about the power of local and tailoring 
to ultimately get to personalization, it is about relevance, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, is what you're providing me delivering me value and it's relevant to my practice and to my patients. And so Mm -hmm. that's what we've designed all of our data spine around is, is to blend all of that data together Mm -hmm. to then power what's the right content and what's the right channel Mm -hmm. to -hmm. deliver that in and, and in what sequence based on their preferences. So it's, it is the best time to be in our industry. Um, it's great, you know, we're a great place to be and, and what we offer is really unique in the industry. And so, you know, that's why we love this topic, Mark. So thanks for I could tell, us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've heard some, I've seen some studies, maybe some conflicting results in terms of what do HCPs providers consider their top information Mm -hmm. channels you know Mm -hmm. some of them say email um because it's i guess you know um it's quick it's non-personal whatever Mm -hmm. some of them say the rep is is their top information source Mm -hmm. would love to hear what what you all have found and 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 how that translates into that data spine yeah i think some of the reasons you're seeing conflicting information is it gets back to the one-to-one like what one Uh clinician might Mm -hmm. want is different than another of course we can't figure that out um on day one so we leverage things like a, a brand segmentation efforts if they've done one to understand Mm -hmm. what types of channels they might have an affinity to. And then Mm -hmm. the longer we go in their journey, the more we find out about him or her and be able to really create that precision that they're probably seeking. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the most recent uh, stats that I heard, though, is that around 75% of clinicians now are, you know, loving the fact um, of being able to have more of the empowerment to digital versus reps um, being in the office, right? And being able to have more of that hybrid approach. Um, sure. So really now it gets into the empowerment of the clinician, being able to dictate how he or she wants to be communicated with. And mm-hmm. we as industry and pharma alike need to be able to um, meet those needs um, in a variety of different channels. Yeah, what, yeah. One of the really unique things about us is we have, you know, nine years of, of um historical engagement data mm-hmm. across a multitude of channels. And we blend that in with um, our clients' data that, that they have in terms of engagement. And so we're able to design very specific, very personalized approaches for for the actual individual physician in terms of tailoring the content. And then, of course, the sequence of channels that we use based on their preference. So you know, you can do it at scale and we have a lot of, we have a lot of ability and capability and, and to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are challenges though, is, is, um, on, you know, in collaborating with the clients and the ecosystem mm-hmm. and the systems of record they have. So there's, you know, as the industry's evolved, you asked the question about how the industry's evolved in many ways it's evolved in terms of the the data that we have and our clients have access to, um, and how we blend that together there. But, but the governance of that data is really probably the, the biggest challenge we're going to have now and into mm-hmm. the future yeah. and who owns that data. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and almost all of our engagements provide the physician level data back to the client. And so it can fit into their broader performance framework, or if there's a, uh, you know, one of our, our media agency partners that's doing media buying and planning, and there may be a larger performance framework that they're designing towards. So when we work with clients, it's always about making sure that we're providing the data back appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think the systems of record at the client as well is is a challenge. We've got 
uh, a multitude of systems on the client end. So the IT and technical, the center of excellence groups that our clients are all at a different stage of maturity in their life cycle to support right. and enable omnichannel. And so many times they'll, they'll use us to fill some of those capability gaps, but most of the, the, the large pharma have made some pretty significant strides in developing their own infrastructure to deliver it. And then we augment that with our capabilities as well and some of our media uh, agency partners. And so we're able to, to really deliver it now in, mm-hmm. in collaboration. Some of the smaller to mid-sized companies don't have that infrastructure and we'll lean on folks like ourselves uh, a, a little bit more for certain capabilities than others. Mm-hmm. Can you just kind of double click on that for a second? You're talking about um, you know, how some clients have like a first-party data strategy in-house and they're in-housing mm-hmm. some of that data capability in their MarTech um, yeah. and then others kind of lean on the agency more. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit more about that, how you kind of flex or you're nimble in terms of uh, how you work with clients and yeah. what you're seeing most of it? Do most companies uh, have a first-party data strategy yet, clients that you work with, or are they kind of still kind of relying on their AORs for that? Yeah, it really depends. And one of our mantras at Relevate Health is to meet our clients where they are on their omni-channel journey. As Tim was just mm-hmm. talking about earlier, we have the ability to do it self-sufficiently in our own environment on behalf of oftentimes more of the small to mid-sized pharma who may not be have the infrastructure or even quite honestly the budgets or the time to be able to get as progressive as perhaps some of the larger pharma organizations. Mm-hmm. And then for the larger pharma organizations, we can leverage the PLD that we gain from our solutions and also some of our data capabilities to dock in uh, mm-hmm. to where they are um, in their journey. So really being able to be flexible is is key and also being able to work with other partners. You know, you mentioned media partners mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, there's a lot of different agencies inside the pharma company. There's a lot of different um teams as well. You've got market access, you've got medical, you've got Mm -hmm. patient, you've got HCP. You know, if we think about that unified customer centric experience, ultimately, we've got to be able to find ways to weave all of those components and integration together to really get the seamless experience. And that's something that we're working on too. Sure. And companies, clients also have their own data and analytics, you know, departments as well. Um, How, talk about sort of um, integrating with those departments, do you find that's a challenge in terms of um, surfacing that data, putting it to use? Because they're sitting on a lot of data, pharma companies, uh, and it's some, but sometimes kind yeah. of actioning on yeah. it is, is a challenge. Yeah, I mean, so this is this is where um, I think clients have more data than they have ever had before. Mm-hmm. The question is, you know, how to use it to drive business intelligence, decision making, next best action. That's really personalized. So it's not just the best action that we want, but what the customer wants. And so I think what's challenging, uh, and we we see different friction points or different, um, let's say, capability gaps, where they might have the data, but it's not organized in a way that they can activate on it. Mm-hmm. Um, or derive that insight from it. And that's where we come in and, and, and certainly uh, the media partners as well that we collaborate with at the clients. And you also have um, a lot of data governance issues, IT right. governance challenges, and, and depending on where that client is in their journey, right, and what their processes are, what has evolved is the clients have all this data, but you know also the medical, legal, and regulatory review process, and then how to apply the um, multivariate content we're delivering based upon what we know Mm -hmm. and then putting that through their system. There's some choke points there. Mm -hmm. So as much as, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all evolved 
from a, a data technology and an enablement perspective, we also have to really uh, evolve the regulatory pathways to actually be able to execute on all of that. So sure. there's a variety of, you know, challenges. And that's where many times the large pharma will come to us to help augment uh, what they're doing, depending on where they are in their journey. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think both of you is the sort of the critical factor for a company in making that journey to omnichannel? Is it having that data um, analytics mindset from the top down? Is it kind of a nimbleness from a change management perspective? You know, talk about yeah, I, I think the organizational it's, dynamic. Absolutely. I think it's both. And I think we actually heard a lot of this in our trend talk session mm -hmm. uh, just last month. But a lot of it is, you know, omnichannel is now it's the expectation as it should be, right? Because we're improving the customer experience. But we have to do it on top of the day to day. So there's so much to um, put on the marketers themselves. And also there's a lot of change management that needs to take place. You mentioned the burden that happens on regulatory and review mm -hmm. committees. So yeah. it's a top down initiative. And sometimes there needs to be um, addi additional education on the value of it, but also the different uh, challenges that we can face with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the collaboration and organizational design challenges are, are and collaboration models uh, internally at the clients, but also with their partner ecosystem is important to address and really uh, how to govern that. So it's putting a lot more, uh, I would say, pressure uh, or coordination responsibility onto the commercial leaders, mm -hmm. whether mm -hmm. they be brand leaders, medical affairs leaders, to help orchestrate all that enablement that you need to support the delivery of omnichannel. And so you need really strong partners. I think to your point earlier, Clients are building their own CDPs or customer mm -hmm. data platforms, and they should. It's their customer. Mm -hmm. We're there to help them um, activate on that. Um, some of that uh, we help them enable. We're helping uh, one particular client right now that Julie and I are very close with um, enable their their CDP uh, to get the most out of it and mm -hmm. ultimately to get the most out of us and their other partners to deliver a better experience. So. They need to continue to invest in that infrastructure to support that. And they also need great partners that understand how to use it, orchestrate it, design and deliver the content to activate on all that data. Sure. And so clients, you know, are going to continue to invest heavily here, but they also need to invest, as Julie mentioned, in the change management and the orchestration. Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, data governments, interoperability, change management, MLR, you know, mm -hmm. all important considerations. Um, and um, speaking of the medical legal regulatory kind of framework and making sure that you're kind of navigating that mm -hmm. modular content. I think, Tim, you mentioned yes. that as, yeah. a, as, a, as, a, as an idea. Mm -hmm. um, where do you find your clients are with, with that? And is that, that's another buzzword, buzz phrase. Is that where we're moving to? Is that, or is that what kind of you, you steer your clients toward is kind of a modular content uh, paradigm? Yeah. And, you know, we at, at Relevate Health have been doing modular content for years. Um, again, when we think about local variability, we would have, you know, different pieces with different clinicians who um, mm -hmm. might be more prominent in a specific area of the country. So we've developed ways and methodologies to help the MLR teams understand mm -hmm. um, how we can create um thousands of pieces of information, but get it through in a way that's manageable through the power of templating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the, like a repcast yeah. and our other solutions, uh, MSL cast, KOL cast, um, we have, uh, uh, AI and machine learning on top of their video script. So, you know, doing a video like this, if, if it falls mm -hmm. outside of the purview of 
the claims, it's flagged and it will not mm. be able to be uh, sent. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a suite of video solutions in our cast series of products that, uh, that has built in uh, a regulatory uh, governance based on the script so that w they won't be able to send it. So we yeah. never even get to regulatory, right? So again, right. think about video at scale. This type of uh, snackable uh, mm -hmm. content is the expectation of customers. You know, physicians don't live in some parallel universe. They, they Their media diet and their consumption of channels is exactly like the format we're doing. That's what this is the type of content they want. Right. With, um, allied health professionals are people too, and how they consume the broader media content. We need to meet them with those types of experiences. And they're, you know, so we built solutions, tools, and products to not only do content at scale, personalization at scale, but also to do it in a regulatory compliant right. way mm -hmm. to meet the volume. So each video then wouldn't need to be reviewed and approved right. by MLR, right. right? Why reinvent the wheel? Why right, but then you've the got it, exactly. And then you've got 500 different reps who are able to personalize it uh -huh. themselves, but know right. that it's compliant and have that confidence. Or, right. yeah, or MSL or, yep. or KOL mm -hmm. in a peer-to-peer -peer environment. So these types of solutions are really meeting that omni-channel need. Now imagine pairing that with obviously all the other data we have and channel preference data we have and really delivering highly relevant and engaging content. Mm -hmm. that, again, that's, that's, that's local, but also um, really, really relevant. Mm -hmm. So the rep can say like, based on the continuity of insight, dealing with that HCP, okay, this doctor needs this type of message, exactly. boom, there's that message, there's this message and it's all templated. So that's uh, and also that delivered time. by that rep. And delivered by the rep, right? right. right. Through video. Right. Through right. video. Right. Oh, because okay. we the just talked about the we're, we're yeah. you know, meeting with right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about the fact that HCPs might not want to have that rep, you know, live in their office, but how great would it be to have them mm -hmm. be able to, you know, dictate that um, by right. getting an email from the rep with the video. Mm -hmm. um, or or even in the white space yeah. where, where yeah. there may be limited access in mm -hmm. an institutional setting. Uh, where you couldn't get in, especially during COVID. And they've, you know, some of those access has opened back up in certain regions and certain health systems and other ones, it's still somewhat, um, you know, more limited access. So, you know, how can you get there with really engaging content that is very personal? Mm -hmm. um, and then that might invite an interaction maybe outside the institutional setting where they could connect. Yeah. And I know, um, you, you know, Tim, you mentioned AI and ML. Um, how do you, uh, save doctors time, you know, using some of these newer technologies, you know, and kind of, uh, you know, they're very busy. They're, you know, even specialists keeping up, mm. you know, is, is a very Herculean task. What, what can you do to kind of uh, make their jobs easier? Yeah, I think, again, understanding what their preferences are and what their desires for relevant content are and making sure that we're breaking straight through that clutter and getting right to the point um, is absolutely going to help save time. And the more we learn and leverage our machine learning power decision engine to be able to do that, mm -hmm. uh, the more right on we're going to be with our customers. So, Julie, where do you see the future of this kind of panning out in terms of, uh, you know, uh, working with uh, clients and uh, vis-a-vis omnichannel and personalization? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I actually have been at Relevate for what I say is 14 years, but it's really only 10. So I took a little bit of a hiatus to understand what it's like to be in the client's shoes. And um, I did experience some of the the struggles that, you know, we witnessed day to day. And, and one of it is uh, connecting all the dots. So we did this one exercise where we had uh, during brand planning, we all got up, all the different marketers across all the different functions 
put all of our different agency partners and vendors on the wall. And there were over 50 different partners and agency vendors. Um, So that then equals they have their own data, they have their own solutions, um, and their own respective remit. So it left a lot of the onus on the marketers, myself included, to figure out how can I best connect all of that to create not just a seamless experience for the clinicians, but myself and make it more manageable. Mm -hmm. So uh, looking forward now, several years, I mean, back at Relevate, I realized that's what I was trying to do is omni-channel, right? And being able to connect those dots, but it's a huge burden. So one of the areas where I think ourselves and others are really striving to to play is to help navigate um, all the different uh, disparate, seemingly disparate parties to create a seamless experience for our marketers and also the clinicians. Um, And the way that we do that is really helping to understand, again, where they are in their journey, um, collaborating effectively with the media planners, uh, with the different agencies of record, with the different solutions providers and partners uh, to be able to create that seamless experience through data uh, and solutions and also some guidance. So I don't know, Tim, do you have anything else to add? No, I think you nailed it. I mean, there's um, a lot of burden on the client to orchestrate and we remove a lot of that burden for them through the fact that we've already blended all the data together already. They don't need to get their internal organization aligned or certainly the the other parties aligned. And, and we partner ex, you know, exquisitely well with with uh, our media colleagues and the media planning and buying side of the business. So, you know, we are a great partner for them and a great partner for the client to really simplify the experience, to focus it on how are we going to deliver that locally relevant uh, and engaging content that delivers on the on the omni-channel and personalization journey that we're all on together. Uh, it's a lot to coordinate, as you said, and I, I mean, 50, that was a lot. Um, so I, I think you know, we can certainly uh, help simplify things for the client and, and most importantly, deliver. Sure. And finally, how do you know that it's all working? Would you talk a little bit, a little bit about metrics? Yeah, for sure. So um, I always say to, to, to my team in-house, I say, look, team, if we can't measure it, it's as if it never happened. So, and it's not just waiting for the perfect ROI, because oftentimes at that point, uh, mm-hmm. the marketer that we might be working with has already moved on to another role. And so how do we actually prove out that it works? So it's all about leading and lagging indicators and those key mm-hmm. performance indicators to ensure that it's working. So for every single initiative, understanding how we can uh, measure and make sure that we understand from a clinician perspective, even from the marketer's goals, uh, what are those leading and lagging indicators, and then taking pulse points along the way, getting as close to real-time metrics as possible, Mm -hmm. which then leads back to really having that integrated data to be able to do that in all the different data feeds. Uh, So we can actually optimize, double down where it's working really, really well, and actually course correct where we might be not getting the um, desired impact that we thought we would. And then, of course, we want to do that ROI to show that it worked and give sure. that confidence. But we don't want to wait till the end to give confidence to the, the marketers and to the brands that um, these efforts are, are working. We want to give them surety along the way mm-hmm. um, uh, that it's that it works. Sure. Yeah. And I, w- I would just, you know, build on, on Julie's thoughts there that all of our solutions and all of our work that we do with clients, we deliver PLD back outside of our field enablement solutions, which have a different set of uh, metrics. Um, so all of our, all of our solutions in the non-personal promotion space and peer to peer space, we provide the physician level data back, whether it be to our media partners or to the client directly to their CDP. So, you know, 
the 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 evidence is is you know right there. Yeah, very um, transparent. It's very transparent mm-hmm. and um, and clear. You know, I think to to Julie's point, you know, um, you know, begin with an end in mind, and we certainly do that with all of our work, and it has to fit into a broader performance framework for the client as well, and really defining what does success look like and what are, what is that criteria. Our solutions, we're you know very clear about and transparent about providing that physician level data back. So, you know, you have that surety that that Julie was alluding to. So, mm-hmm. so great. We talked about some quite buzzy topics today, but they were buzzworthy indeed. So, thank you very much for a terrific discussion. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. It was awesome being with you guys today. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Great to see you again.